Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey everybody, welcome to Manager Martinis. I'm Adam, here's Danielle. Hi. How are you feeling? A little less exhausted now or not yet? Yeah, it was a long week. <laughs> a long, long week. Election recovery? Yes. Yeah. I feel like I need a whole week of recovery. I mean, you were you were not sleeping for days. No. Literally up all night, I catch a half hour here and there maybe. But that is correct. You did not. Yeah, it was... I but still feel like a zombie. It wasn't fun being here. And and everyone <laughs> um, on Instagram was checking in on me. I mean, hundreds, thousands of people checked in on me to be like, are, are, are you okay? Are you surviving? So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I felt like I was uh, not, not like a doctor here for you, but something because you were just so... Oh. On edge and sleep deprived in a mess. The whole country was. <laughs> it wasn't just me. The whole country was. But... I want to talk about this interview because I loved it so much and I needed it so much more than I even realized. Uh, today's interview was with Dana Sukow. She's an award-winning speaker and educator who is helping parents and teachers to raise kids who love their bodies. And to he she also wants to help us feel loved and empowered every day. She went through an incredible journey dealing with eating disorders and she talks a lot in the interview about how she got to the place that she is now becoming a coach um, and a specialist about all of this and her story is incredible and what she has done with it is even more phenomenal. I really think you're going to love her if you are a parent or even not a parent, but somebody who has influence over kids or even just want to listen for yourself. She is so inspirational and so much of what she said made so much sense because I worry about this a lot too because I grew up um, with so many um, issues about my own body and I still have so many and I'm always worried about passing that on to my kids. You know, we have a girl and two boys. And in this interview, we talk about girls, but we also talk a lot about boys um, and and the issues with them and body image and everything. So it's not just for girls. Uh, so anyway, I hope you enjoy this interview. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And I think you're going to look at things from a different perspective that are is going to make things a lot easier on ourselves as far as instilling good values and understanding about body confidence and body image onto our kids. So enjoy. 
But I wanted to start out in, I, I was starting to read a little bit about your journey and how you got into intuitive eating and body confidence and everything. And I think it's better if you tell it. So do you want to just walk us through a <laughs> yeah. little bit about what you went through? Of course, of course. I mean, I I think my story, I, I like sharing my story, even though it was, you know, during the time it sucked. Um, but I like sharing it because it does show, you know, the reason I'm so passionate about this. Um, but, you know, I, from childhood, from an early age, I was raised thinking that my appearance was the only thing that mattered. Um, you know, I, I developed acne at a very early age. And, you know, instead of it being, oh, you know, you know, if you, I would come down for breakfast or something, instead of it being, you know, a good morning, it's nice to see you, it was, oh, we've got to take you to the dermatologist, or oh, there's something wrong with your body. And so I, I learned from a very early age to develop a lot of anxiety around my body and to directly attach my mood and my value and my worth to my appearance. Um, you know, how clear my skin was, uh, if, you know, if my weight was good, um, how good my hair looked, you know, all of these all of these things that uh, little kids and teens shouldn't be thinking about, but that was really on the forefront of my mind. Um, and so interestingly enough, I actually didn't develop an eating disorder until I moved from San Francisco, California to New York um, about, gosh, it's been like 10 years, 10, 11 years now. Um, but that move across the country, it's kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. I, I really didn't have a social network in New York. I really didn't know a lot of people. And I, I was sort of just, I, I was leaving my family, a boyfriend at the time. And, you know, I had just finished school, all of these things. Um, and I just very quickly developed binge eating disorder. Um, but when I first had it, I didn't really know what it was. I, I didn't really know much about eating disorders. I just felt that I was losing my mind and that I was completely out of control around food. Um, on top of that, I also started dating a fashion photographer at the time. And very quickly, in the middle of developing my eating disorder and all of this other body image stuff, I decided to become a fashion blogger. So <clears throat> on top of not feeling good about myself, on top of being obsessed with food, obsessed with my appearance and all of that, I started doing something where I was now putting my appearance and my body on display for thousands of people online to see and judge and, uh, you know, view. And it really was, it, it, <laughs> looking back, it was the worst thing I could have done for someone who had extreme body image issues and an eating disorder. Um, but, you know, I loved clothes. I, I had collected a lot of vintage clothes when I was in San Francisco. And so, and, you know, because I was dating the fashion photographer, it seemed like the right thing to do at that time. And, you know, what happened was I would shoot photos for the fashion blog on, let's just say I shot photos on Saturday and Sunday. So I shot, so I shot photos on Saturday and Sunday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I wouldn't eat anything. Um, or I would try not to eat anything and I would go to the gym as much as possible and I would run, you know, morning, afternoon and night and I would just try to, you know, lose as much weight as possible. Um, Saturday, Sunday, I'd shoot for the blog and then Sunday night, I would be so famished, so exhausted, so starving that I would binge from like Sunday night all the way to like Wednesday morning. And then I felt like, you know, terrible about myself. And so Wednesday, I'm like, well, I, now I have to diet. So I look okay for my, you know, the, the fashion shoots on Saturday and Sunday. And so I got stuck in this 
really vicious cycle. And, um, you know, long story, I guess not so long as I found a therapist, I started learning about body positivity, I started learning about diet culture and all and feminism and all of this stuff kind of that's wrapped up into why women hate their bodies. And I started really peeling back the curtain and seeing that there was a system in place that was profiting off of my insecurities. And I started becoming empowered from it. And I, I was, what I did was I took this platform of this fashion blogging platform that I had had online and I switched it to um, body positivity. And I, and it was very scary when I first did that, that shift, I thought that my followers were going to, you know, they only wanted fashion. They, you know, didn't want to hear about real life stuff. But as soon as I started sharing my tiny bit of insecurities, or, you know, I don't feel good about my body today, or I'm struggling a little bit today, I started getting people going, me too. Oh my gosh, me too. Oh my gosh, I feel the same way. And that really empowered me to keep going further in my healing and sharing my healing with other people. And so fast forward to now, I, I now do coaching and training. Um, you know, before Corona, I was traveling around the world uh, doing workshops with schools or workshops with families, um, you know, giving parents tools on how to make sure their kids don't go through something like I did or speaking with kids and letting them know that like, you're not alone with what you're going through. Um, you know, we all have our insecurities and if we can talk about them, if we can get them out of that shame, you know, take that shame curtain off of them and expose them, they're, they're not so scary and, and you're not alone in it. So I feel like, I'm sorry that I probably went off for, I don't know how long I just went off explaining my, my intro, but I just feel that it's important to kind of share how I got into this work. Uh, and again, you know, why, why I do care about it so much. Yeah. Well, I think it's so totally relatable. I think we yeah. all grew up. Well, I don't want to say all, but so many of us, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but I grew up in the era of, you know, the, like Suzanne Summers and the thigh master <laughs> and the Noxima commercials mm -hmm. and, you know, all of these things that um, really shaped my entire perception of myself um, yeah. And, you know, we, we've always been bombarded with them all. So I now this this new sort of shift into a more body confidence and everything, it's wonderful and everything, but it is so damn hard. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it is. And, you know, and, that, and that's the thing is, you know, people feel like, well, I'm trying, but it's not good enough, so therefore I'm failing. And I think we've really got to be gentle with ourselves and just go, you have had years and years of conditioning. Your parents or whoever raised you had years and years of conditioning. Your friends have had years and years of conditioning. Society has been conditioning you for years. And so, of course, you're going to feel this way. And I think it's, in, you know, when we get those negative voices that says, you know, you're bad, you're ugly, you're, you know, stupid, whatever it's saying to you, if we can, instead of going, you know, fighting with it, if we can go, okay, well, that is just, that's a thought from society. That is not my thought. And I am just going to, you know, it's like walking through a cloud or walking through some fog. I'm going to let that go. And we're not trained to do that. You know, we're, we're, we're trained to believe those thoughts and to go forward into, you know, further into those thoughts and giving those thoughts more voice. Mm-hmm. And I think now with quarantine, it's added a whole different layer, right? Because there's that whole 
there was a time when when we were all not going literally anywhere and we were trapped in our houses. And now I think we're all sort of feeling like there's just so much stress and everything that we're being really hard on ourselves on top of everything else that, oh, I've been eating bad and I haven't been exercising. Or So there's uh, there's this layer of guilt on top of everything that was already so shameful, I think has maybe in some sense gotten worse. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I think, I, I, I actually, I agree with you that I think things have gotten worse as far as, as body image, as far as stress. I mean, you know, we're, first of all, we've taken away a lot of people's social connections. Um, you know, yeah, we've got Zoom. Yeah, we've, you know, we're trying to see people. We're going out, you know, as, as much as we can, you know, safely. But um, really taking away our social stuff. And, you know, when I look back and I think about, well, what got my eating disorder? Losing my social circle, my social connections, all of those people I had in California when I moved to New York was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. It really was kind of the final thing when I lost my 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 circle i lost my network and humans are social creatures and so we're taking away this social aspect that humans were you know we we've we're bred for this we're bred to connect with people we need it we need our social our social circles and our social connections and so we already have that taken away so there's already this layer of stress depression anxiety that comes from this socialness taken away. Um, you know, the other thing is we're spending a lot more time on social on, on social media. So we are looking at people happy. You are looking at people smiling. We are looking at people working out or having the quote unquote perfect body or, you know, still getting dressed up and going out. Like you are, <coughs> excuse me, looking, being bombarded. And I like that you said earlier bombarded, but you're now being bombarded on social media with you know, people's highlight reels, people, people, you know, you're not seeing the full, uh, you know, spectrum of someone's humanity, you're seeing the, you know, I'm picking out the little happiness episodes here and there. Um, but when we don't get that full range, when we don't get that full spectrum of everything, we start thinking we're the only ones that are, that are bad. We're the only ones that are going through this. And because we don't have the social network or the social circle that we had before, our, we're not communicating with as many people that were struggling. We're not hearing, you know, so many people that are struggling and we think we're all alone. And, and it's, again, you know, what you said earlier about like that layer of guilt, it, that guilt stuff was already there, but now we are just, we're so deep in it. Mm -hmm. And our kids too. I, I mean, I, it's so interesting because I recently joined TikTok. My kids have been on TikTok and they love it and everything. And I do mm -hmm. notice that there, one thing about TikTok that I think is different than Instagram and Facebook is that there is this side of TikTok. There's the, that's this very body confidence, um, you know, you have these people of all sizes and you have people um, talking about their skin conditions. And I think that there is this side of TikTok that exists that is really good um, that I have mm -hmm. noticed that shows up a lot on my For You page and everything and um, that I haven't seen as much on Instagram and Facebook. So I am sort of a fan of TikTok a little bit mm -hmm. more. But there's also, of course, the other side, which is the dances and the, you know, the, the girls mm -hmm. dancing in that, you know, in the half tops with this, you know, with their abs mm -hmm. out and the boys with their shirts off and their six packs. And, and, you mm -hmm. know, there's, there's still that side too. So it is inescapable. Um, and mm -hmm. it's really, really hard 
to mm-hmm. say, yeah, I have a 15 year old daughter who actually, she's not even really the one who, um, I don't have as many issues with, with body image with her as actually it's my son who is 12 and is really shorter than most of his friends and really on the small side for his age. And he is obsessed with when am I going to get, you know, when am I going to get taller? When am I going to, when am I going to be taller than you? Most of my friends are taller than their moms that like he, it's really hard because I don't know if he's going to get taller and I don't know how tall, you know, it's a really difficult thing because that's another, we always talk about girls and I think that's obviously an enormous issue, but Mm -hmm. it's interesting. I wasn't expecting it with him. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, and thank you for sharing that. And, you know, my, my heart really goes to you and also your son. I mean, it's hard. Um, but, you know, it is interesting. I, I do work with a lot of parents who come to me, you know, because of their sons. Um, and, you know, I, I actually recently did a workshop um, it, with some schools in Brazil via Zoom. And a lot of the boys asked questions. And these were like middle school age kids, you know, asking questions about body positivity and body image. Um, you know, I think it can be a shock to some people when we go, why are boys so obsessed? I thought it was the girls. And we kind of have to think about, you know, capitalism a little bit. I, I think if we, if we shift it and go, okay, so it all, it started on women. It started on companies profiting off of women, but we can, we only have so many body parts to hate. You know, we've only got two arms. Most of us only have two arms and legs and a torso and one head. Um, There's only so much body hair on a woman you can tell her to take off before you've got to start, you know, moving on to something else. Because really, in capitalism, if your company isn't growing, it's dying. You can't have companies staying stagnant because you have rising cost of taxes, you have rising cost of of employee health care, you have rising cost of employee um, salaries, all of those things. So businesses have to grow. Um, And so, again, if your business isn't growing, it's dying. So who do you move to? Who do you tell that needs to get the Botox? Who do you tell that needs to be more masculine, have a six pack, do the gym, not, not have a bad hairline, you know, all of these things. You move on to men, you move on to the other gender. And so we really are seeing an increase in eating disorders among men, body image issues among men, young boys really, really insecure about their bodies. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's kind of a new phenomenon, but it's, it makes sense when you think about it in the context of, well, of course men are going to start feeling this way. Of course boys are going to start feeling this way because it was, it was bound to move on to them at some point. Does that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yeah. it's so, I think it is so hard for us. You know, it's hard for me too, because especially now being home and my kids constantly, like I feed them three meals a day usually And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's a lot and a little bit, Mm -hmm. you get lazy and you Mm -hmm. want to make things easy. And so to Mm -hmm. some degree, it's hard because I am very cognizant of the fact that I don't want to constantly be on top of my kids saying, oh, you've had enough junk or, you know, oh, Mm -hmm. don't eat that. You've had too many of those or, and I know that we're, you know, kids, we need to be careful of how we speak to them and everything. But there's also this other side to it, where which is they also need some nutrients. And it's yeah. like, how do I balance, you know, saying, okay, you've had enough mm-hmm. without sounding me sounding like, 
okay, you're, you know, I don't want you to get fat or I don't want you to, it's a very hard, fine line to walk. Yeah. Um, So something you said uh, in the beginning of that was you, you say, you know, sometimes I get lazy cooking. And I would love to sort of shift that perspective um, because I think a lot of parents feel this way. A lot of people, you know, I don't need, I don't have kids, but I feel this way. I feel like there's nights where I get lazy and I wish we could shift it instead of feeling lazy of more like I'm in survival mode. Mm-hmm. I am doing the best I can. I am yeah. not being lazy. I am literally, this is, I, there's nights that you have to take care of you. And unfortunately, if that means that other people aren't getting the six course meal that they're used to getting, then so be it. Um, I, I think we have to view it as we've all got to take care of ourselves. And if you are exhausted all the time and you are not having those moments where you can take care of you, um, then, you know, you know, what's what, like RuPaul says, you know, if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love someone else? If you can't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of other people? How are you going to be able to take care of your kids if you are so exhausted? So I think we have to really be gentle. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I get, you know, when I'm working with parents in schools and, and just everybody right now, I'm really getting this feeling that we are just being so tough on ourselves and so rough and so mean um, because we're it's we cannot be perfect right now being perfect is impossible normally and it is double impossible during quarantine eating perfect is absolutely impossible right now and getting the amount of activity that we want is, is impossible for most people right now um so I just, you know, in, in, with the lazy thing, I just, my heart was like, no, you're just, you're taking care of yourself. You're having, you know, it, it's Right. Okay. But that is, yeah, that is how you feel when you're kid, you know, when yeah. you're kid, when you're like, I don't know, you know, pour some Captain Crunch and, yeah. you know, and call it a night. Like it's, it's yeah. very difficult, but then it's also hard because, um, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what the balance is because my daughter really yeah. she's been a very picky eater since she was a toddler. Um, you know, since she was eating, she has always been a really picky eater. I mean, beyond like we say, she- it, you know what? I'm a super picky eater. So I, my, I, I can understand. I, my parents were so frustrated growing when I was growing up. So I get it. Yeah. And it's really hard and it's hard sometimes for me because I, you know, I, again, when it sounds like I'm saying to her, don't eat that it's, there's too much sugar, or it sounds Mm -hmm. like I'm saying you're going to get fat. But really what I'm thinking is I don't want you to, you know, have health issues and I don't want you, you need some, you know, you need a banana, like you just, you need something else. And, and so that, that has been a struggle for me because um, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I am shaming her, but at the same time, I need to tell her when she has had mm-hmm. enough junk because she's not good at gauging it herself. And I think a lot of that is my fault. I think I am not a disciplined eater um, and i never yeah. have been. So I, I just don't know, you know, I know a lot of parents out there have very picky eaters. Um, But we also don't want to be shaming our kids. So what's the balance there? Yeah. And and it's, (laughs) I just, you know, thank you for sharing that again, because it is a balance. It it is. And it's going to be an imperfect balance. And I think if we can go into it going, this is going to be imperfect. Take some of the stress and anxiety away from it and go, okay, this, you are going to do your best. But, you know, what you said earlier is, you know, I think it might be some of my stuff. And 
that is so true is so much of our anxieties about children's food or how our partners are eating it really stems from us it stems from our own insecurity or our own anxiety about how we're eating how we're taking care of our bodies are we eating too much sugar um, and so we do have to be really careful because, you know, a lot of my body stuff was transferred to me from my parents and their body stuff was transferred to them from their parents. And, you know, I'm not discounting the effects of society and media and all that stuff, but, you know, a very large portion of how we learn to view our bodies in the world does come from our parents. And so I can understand, you know, being really cautious about, well, I don't want my child to have health issues, but I don't want to be fat shaming. So you know, I think especially during quarantine, this is something I'm hearing a lot from parents is, you know, how to balance it. And, you know, you said you earlier, you said, I, I don't, you know, have the bowl of cereal, but I don't want her to have health issues. And this, you know, this idea of health issues is something that comes up a lot with parents and of young kids. And I'm really, I want to release some of the anxiety about the health issues. Um, because we're talking about a couple months right now that we're going to be back in quarantine or, you know, winter's coming, things are going to be colder, we're not going to be getting as much exercise. We are not talking about 10 years. You know, we are not talking about this long thing where for 10 years your child is going to be eating Captain Crunch every night for dinner. We're talking about once in a while. Um, and so we really, if we can slow down a little bit, take a breath in those moments, take a step back and go, okay, my child's not going to get diabetes from this bowl of cereal. Um, you know, and if, so if we can release some of that stress and anxiety, we are less likely to transfer that stress and anxiety to, to, anxiety to the child who's eating the cereal. Um, you know, to give you kind of example of how that works, you know, if I, when I was a kid and I woke up with acne, I didn't view it as anything inherently wrong until a parent made me feel that it was something absolutely terrible until a parent got stressed and anxious about it. So now, you know, not really now, but for, you know, much of my adult life, if I got a pimple or a zit, it gave me instant anxiety. And so I always talk to parents and I say, if you can breathe in those moments, if you can take a step back, let's say you need to go into the bathroom for 30 seconds and just breathe or go into your room for 30 seconds or a minute and just step away and just go, this is my stuff that's coming up. My daughter or my son, my child is not going to get diabetes. They are not going to put on 40 pounds from this one bowl of cereal. So can I approach this in a calm way? Um, you know, and then the other idea of instead of saying, so, you know, I don't want you to eat sugar. There's too much sugar in that. It's talking about, you know, you need nutrients we need you know we need vitamin k we need vitamin a we need vitamin e we need all of this stuff but when you demonize things instead of uplifting the other things you're it, it, you're just telling your children what not to do but we want to tell them what to do so a great way to say it is like you know oh you've got a test or you've got some studying tomorrow or you know oh you're going to go running or you're playing soccer or you're doing something so we need to make sure that you're getting a lot of fiber or we need to make sure that you're getting some vitamin A or some you know whatever the vitamin is that is going to help them study vitamin we got to make sure you're getting more vitamin D this morning or whatever it is but instead of viewing the food as something that's going to be changing their exterior Start viewing the food as how is this going to affect their interior and how can I educate my child about the interior stuff? 
without demonizing something, but how can I uplift the thing that will be really good for them? Mm, I love that. That's such a good idea. Um, that makes so much sense. I, I, I feel like sometimes when I do that type of thing, I remember when I'm going to be very honest, and this is a really mm-hmm. hard thing to share, but when my mm-hmm. daughter was, I guess, about 12 or 13 and she started, um, you know, she had a lot of like eyebrow hair and everything. And I remember mm-hmm. saying to her, we need to take you to get an eyebrow wax. And she didn't want to go. And I remember saying to her, we need to do that. My immediate thought when I said that was not, I don't like her eyebrows. It was, I don't want her to get made fun of at school. So that was really the place it was coming from. I'm not saying that makes it right or okay. I'm just saying that I think a lot of times as parents, we're we're doing it. It comes from a place of, you know, trying to protect right? I don't want them to get made fun of. I don't want them to be left out. I don't want that kids to be, kids can be so cruel and so mean. And, you know, so I I think it's so hard for us to let that stuff go sometimes because when they're home and they're safe and then it's okay. But once they leave Mm -hmm. and they're out of the house and we're like, oh my God, she just left the house with a unibrow or he just left the house, you know, looking a mess. Or those are the things when we say to ourselves, now it's out of my control. God forbid they go to school or to a friend's house or somebody's somewhere and they get made fun of. And I, I was, I didn't protect them. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I, I, first of all, I want to applaud you for sharing that because I know it feels very shamey, but if you knew how many parents have done the exact same thing, my parents did the exact same thing. Except, you know, I did a workshop in London a couple of years ago and literally a mom said the exact same thing that she wanted her daughter to get her eyebrows waxed. And she hadn't thought about how it could be harmful until she came to the workshop. And so I just, you are so not alone. You are so mm-hmm. not alone in doing stuff like that. I mean, it's such a human thing. And, and I really want you to understand that you were coming from a place of love and protection. You were coming mm-hmm. from a place of trying to protect your daughter. What you were also coming from was your own trauma. And that's where we have, that's where I go, you know, let's, let's take a step back. Let's, let's, work on healing our own stuff. Um, you know, cause again, the parent who made me feel terrible about my skin was severely, severely bullied when they were in high school about their acne. And so of course they have that trauma and of course they're trying to protect me, but I didn't view it. You know, my child mind didn't view it as protection. It viewed that there's something broken with my body. Right. Of course. And the only way I'm going to be loved is if I look a certain way. Um, And I wish, you know, I I wish so much that we, you know, as adults, we were able to explain that to kids, you know, where there's a way to just say, I just want you to take it off so you don't get bullied because I love you deeply. Um, But there really, there's not really a great way to do it. And so when I'm dealing with parents or when I'm working with parents who are dealing with this type of situation, I always say to them, look, you know, your child's going to get bullied anyway. There's going to be something else about them that gets bullied. Children are mean, you know, as much as I want to say we're fighting bullying, we are ending bullying, as much as I am an anti-bullying advocate, I am also a realist. 
And I also understand that kids can be cruel and that kids can be, um, you know, when you come from pain or if you have a, you know, a, a parent who's bullying you, you're going to bully other kids in your class. And you know, that's kind of the reality of it. So it's less about trying to get your child to change their body to fit in the construct and more about getting your child to love them so love themselves so much that it's almost like they have a self-love armor so that when they go out they already know that they're good enough if they have eyebrow hair they already know that they're still loved and they're still good enough whether they're plus size they have acne they have psoriasis they have dandruff they have you know, whatever it is, they have a disability, um, they have a, you know, um, vitiligo, whatever it is, that instead of trying to fix them, that you are giving them the tools for self-love. And I, that can be hard because, again, we weren't taught that growing up. So our instant reaction is love and protection and fix. Mm-hmm. So what are some affirmations? What are some, I know that this could be, a you know, a 20-week course about this. And I know you have courses on this in coaching um, that certainly look into. And I think it sounds amazing, but just start us off uh, some basic things that we could be doing to, to make them feel that way. So one of the most important things is to complement a child's humanity instead of their body. Um, You know, we are so used to seeing, especially a little girl, if you're so pretty, uh, you're so cute, you're so beautiful. And, you know, as much as yes, of course, we want to tell children they're pretty and they're beautiful and they're lovely. We need to shift away from body focused compliments. Um, you know, some examples are, I love how you didn't give up until you got the right answer. You are really good at making sure no one feels left out. You are so kind to animals and the people around you. You know, my world is a better place with you in it. You know, these types of things that are, you are uplifting a child's internal instead of their external. Um, you know, another thing is that, that happens too is a lot of times, you know, what could happen. So, for example, um, this is something I hear a lot where let's say, you know, it's with the daughter with the eyebrows, but she was bullied. She was bullied and she came home and said, you know, mom, I was bullied for my eyebrows and I don't like them. And I, you know, and the mom, the first reaction is to love and to protect is, okay, we're going to go get it waxed. We're going to go get it fixed. And in those moments, when your child is coming to you with this sort of pain and heartbreak, it's less about fixing and more about listening. It's more about, and I know it is so hard when you love someone so much, you just, it's like you want to blanket yourself over them and protect them from the world. But really, it, it's, it's more about listening. It's, it's getting down to their level saying, why do you feel this way? You know, what did people say? Why, why do you think that having a, a thick eyebrows are bad? You know, and, and it's just, you know, letting them know they're not alone, finding someone, finding some representation of someone who's got hairy eyebrows or acne or something online. Um, and also about sharing your own stuff. So, you know, if you have a child that comes to you and says, I hate my thighs, it, you can go, you know what? I didn't like some stuff about myself too when I was young. And you know what? I survived. And I think it's about letting kids know they're not alone and that their little problems, which feel huge to them, are also important to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good and so important. Um, I think that one thing that's really also hard is that we are surrounded by people 
you know, especially you were talking about your parents and I'm talking, my parents did very Mm -hmm. similar things of a different generation and other people around us and around our kids who are going to make comments also, even if we are trying not to. And that is really hard too, you know, when grandma comes over and is like, oh, you know, she looks like she gained some weight or that it's that generation, you know, I'm not saying they all do it, but I think that 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 is a very common thing. Like you said, it's just purely upbringing. Mm -hmm. How do we handle that? So I am a big advocate for telling parents and, and kids that, you know, you are allowed to tell other people what they can and can't say around your child. You are absolutely allowed to have a conversation with grandma or to have a conversation with a friend or the uh, babysitter or whoever before they come around your kids and say, look, I'm, I, I know you love, I know you love my daughter. I know you love my son so much. Um, and I love them too. And, and, you know, I'm working on this, this new thing and we are doing a thing where we don't talk about bodies at all. We don't make any comments about bodies. And I would really appreciate it if you could practice that when you're around my child. Um, and, and saying that, you know, I even tell people, I'm like, say it as, I'm doing this weird new agey thing where we don't talk about bodies because you don't, the last thing you want to do is shame someone. You know, I, I, you, we can't talk about bodies because when you do it, it's bad and you make my child feel bad. Um, because remember, this is what someone has learned all their life. This is how their parents treated them. This is how they think that they show love. So. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, just make it, if it needs to, if you need to say, I'm doing this weird thing, say that, um, you know, you can even make a joke about it, but to get people on your side and on the same team with you, you know, I really do advocate for people having these separate conversations with the adults who are around your kids. Um, and look, you're not going to be able to do it all the time. You are, you're just not going to be able to, you know, it, it's a little bit different with Corona and quarantine because I think people are, are just, you know, adults are around their children a lot more. You're able to kind of monitor who they're with a lot more. But, you know, in, in normal day to day, there's someone who's going to come up to the grocery store and say, oh, my gosh, you're so, you're, your daughter's so skinny and pretty. Or, you know, oh, do you really want that candy or do you really want that ice cream or say something? And that's where you as a parent can step in. Uh, you know, so if this is someone you weren't able to have the conversation with beforehand, if this is a stranger or, or you know, someone else, you can say, yeah, but you know what, she's also an, a talented singer or, you know what, we don't say anything about bodies because there's so much more important and magical and lovely things about her on the inside. Um, and that's where you can sort of show your child, be sort of the, you know, advocate of your child so they can see that it's okay to exist in the world in their body. It's like okay to exist how they're existing, how they look, um, because you will protect them. You will. You are showing them the right things to say. And what about if our kid is, we notice, especially like you said with social media, or we talked about with social media and everything. What about our kid who is, we're seeing them slipping into this um, sor- sort of superficial way of being where we're noticing that, they are concentrating a lot on their body and on looks and on their appearance and it's becoming problematic. Um, And maybe, you know, their shift has gone from, you know, like things that they once cared about to now all of a sudden being obsessed with making themselves look like their favorite TikTok star or their favorite Instagram blogger or, you know, just 
I know that it is so easy to get sucked in and that girls, especially I think, although boys too, really wind up spending so much time and energy trying to um, emulate these other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and it really, it, it is a big issue, really is. Um, so I think it is important to try and limit social media use um, as much as you can when you have kids. I, I, I also know that it's hard, especially during quarantine. You, you just can't be on, you know, watching your kids all the time. So I do know that there's, you've got to find, be able to find a happy medium, but I do think it is important to limit usage, you know, kind of place boundaries on time. Um, the other part of it too is, is you know, sit with your kids and go through who they're following with them and not in a bad way, not in a shamey way, but in a, you know, in a way of like, I want to, I want to see what you're, what you're looking at all the time. And if you see things that seem questionable, if you see things that are upsetting for you, or you feel like really, you know, your 15 year old daughter or your 12 year old son really shouldn't be looking at, you can have a conversation with them on why, why that isn't, you know, why that isn't um, great for them, you know, why that's not going to be adding anything to their lives. Uh, And you can start breaking it down. You can start talking about, you know, using filters and how people don't like their bodies and start bringing in these sort of body positive conversations with your kid. Um, And I actually love this because, you know, this other tool that I always talk about with families is learn about diet culture and body positivity together with your kids you know, start having the discussions together. And I do think that sitting, looking at your kids' social media in a loving way with them, sitting down with them and talking about, Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, why do you want to look like this person? Why, when you look at this profile, does it make you feel bad about yourself? Questioning these things, you know, getting a child to think a little bit differently. Um, You know, and we really have to remember that children's brains, they're not fully developed. They're not fully developed to understand when they're being lied to. Um, that doesn't happen until we're adults, you know, 18 to like 2025. 20, so that, that prefrontal cortex that is able to say, well, this isn't true, or this is false, or I'm being lied to, or this is an ad, it's not fully developed. And so we've really got to be careful with kids who are looking at fake media who are looking at things that have used Photoshop or, you know, is just showing someone's highlight reels because if, you know, we know how it affects us as adults. So imagine if we don't have that filter on, uh, it really does affect children. Right. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This mother's day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I know I recently, I, I, I haven't... I, you know, I got rid of my scale a few months ago. I've been trying to do oh, all these yay. things. Yeah, and it's been, yay, it's been so I'm not going to lie, it has been so hard, but it has been good, and I haven't done it. I actually didn't even do it on purpose. We moved, and I couldn't find the scale. Oh, <laughs> and then I just didn't get so another messy. one, but it, so it has been good. But I did notice when I was unpacking from our move, I had all these 
diet cookbooks. Like I had a, you know, a Weight Watchers cookbook and I had um, a Whole30 cookbook and everything. And not, not saying, not, you know, going against, I don't know what people's, you know, eating plans are or whatever, but I did notice that I had all these sitting things sitting around and I was sort of like, I don't even use them. And when they look on the shelves and they're seeing that, that's sort yeah. of ingrained in, you know, what, what they're seeing and what mm-hmm. they're thinking. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, so I have gotten more conscious about, um, what I am keeping around my house. And yeah. I think that yeah. that has been a big thing. And I do have a friend who I re- admire so much who, um, whose daughter was, she was not happy with how her daughter, you know, was getting so obsessed with, um, you know, all these Instagram accounts and everything. Mm-hmm. And the mom went out and bought all these like coffee table size books of like different women around the world and beauty and everything and put it mm-hmm. all around, put them all around her house, mm-hmm. which I thought was mm-hmm. such a cool, like, like, you know, very inconspicuous way to sort of yeah. spread the, so I do think that, and I, I, I am trying to be really conscious, conscious about what what my kids see when they're in my house, what they see mm-hmm. me doing in our house. Um, I'm really trying to do so much better with all of that. Um, mm-hmm. But it is, I love that. it is hard. I, I love hard. That. It is hard. It, it um, is hard. It is hard. And I think if we can say, this is hard. This sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. This isn't easy. I wish this was easier. This sucks. Um, you know, you're allowed to say that. You're allowed to say that this hard, is hard and it's not easy. Um, but we're also, I think, if you can also sort of switch it around and go, you know what, it's hard for me, but I'm going to make it so much easier for my kids than it is for me. If I can do this hard work, if I can push through this, then my kids won't have to deal with this stuff. Um, And that's always, you know, if we can sort of inspire ourselves to do that and go, you know what, future you is going to thank you, your your kids in the future are going to thank you. And if they don't, they, you know, you're, you really are, you really are helping the next generation by doing the work. Right. And and when we're um, starting to feel like we're, you know, we're, when we're thinking to ourselves, oh my God, I'm, I'm giving my kid, my kid's having ice cream for the sixth time this week. And, right. you know, about, we just need to take a breath and like give ourselves a break, yeah. give them a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, it's imperfect. We're in imperfect times. And, you know, I am not advocating giving your child ice cream every night for dinner. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm also advocating, you know, doing what is realistic for you. Um, And if that means, you know, every, every couple nights that there is ice cream for dinner night, or it's, you know, whatever it is, add some granola on it. I don't know. Um, And if you can't, then whatever, you're doing good enough. But it's really, if we can get rid of that shame and start talking about food in not a good, and it not, it, not that it's good and bad or it's, it's clean and dirty, if we can start getting rid of that language, we can start neutralizing food and we can start, you know, teaching kids to really listen to their hunger. Um, you know, let's say you have a kid who's, who's like, well, I want some ice cream. Well, have this stuff for a minute. Look, you know what? Okay. All right. All right, son, let's sit together. Let's, let's feel where's that hunger. Are you hungry? Let's figure out what do we really, really, really want. And having them, it's almost like this little meditation, quieting down, like what would feel good to your body right now? 
knowing that you need to sleep well, knowing that tomorrow you've got a test at school and you've got to focus, what would feel good to you right now? And really helping kids get back in touch with their body. And it's good for us too. It's good for yeah. us as adults to those, do those exercises. I love when parents, you know, whether you pray or you meditate or whatever it is, but I love when people take a moment before you eat to just slow down, to get into your body, to just be present, be thankful for the food and, you know, take that breath, take that breath, take that slow down, get out of our trauma, get out of our anxiety and just be grateful for the moment and, and needing to nourish ourselves as best we can. Mm -hmm. And that's all part of like the intuitive eating, right? Yeah, it's all part of intuitive eating. And it's, it, it, it's part of getting back in touch with our bodies that we have been taught to disconnect from. Uh, you know, we, especially as women, we have been taught from a very early age that not to trust our bodies, not to trust our instincts, not to trust our bodies, not to trust what our, what our bodies are telling us. And so we, it's like we're reconnecting those pathways and we've got to get back in touch. And the younger, the younger age that we can get kids in touch with their bodies, the better, because if we can, you know, whether they've gotten disconnected or not, but if we can use those connections back together, the earlier we do it, the better, uh, because then it becomes practice, then it, then they do trust themselves. You know, this is also an interesting kind of side note is there's studies uh, that have been done that girls who feel less confident about their bodies are less likely to uh, stand up for themselves and are less likely to be sure in their decisions. So really, you know, not trusting or not being confident in our bodies does lead very much into trusting our intuition, trusting our gut. So to raise empowered kids, we do need kids that are empowered in their bodies. And that doesn't mean that they're thin and pretty. That means that they love and accept themselves, regardless mm -hmm. of what they look like. And they need that, they, they need that love and acceptance from their caregivers, from the adults around them. In the same way that us adults and caregivers need that love and acceptance from ourselves. So I, I really think, you know, if you're getting anything from this, this podcast today, I, I, I hope it's just to be gentle. I hope it's to slow down and just know that you're trying your best. Um, oh, there was this other thing I wanted to add when we were talking about kids and social media. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that that documentary on Netflix, The Social Dilemma. I have, and I I, I keep saying, and this is the third podcast episode. I said I'm going to watch it, and I haven't yet. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm honestly hard. a little bit scared to watch it. I feel like I just I don't need one more layer of stress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, but yeah. I know I need to watch it. One hundred percent. It's one of those where you need to watch it, but it's you also. It's almost like I don't want to peel back that curtain right now because I've had right. enough curtains peeled back during Corona. I just totally. So, That's exactly no, how I feel. So, totally. So no pressure on watching that. But what I would like to say instead is there's also this really amazing documentary for kids, and it's called Like Movie. L I K E. Like Movie. Um, and I don't know where you can find it. It only came out about two years ago, but it's kind of like the social dilemma for kids and families. Uh, and I actually, the reason I found out about it is I was asked to speak on a panel at a high school that was showing the movie. And it's about, you know, the ways that social media hurts us, but it gives, what I like about like movie that I don't think social dilemma did was it gives a lot of tools for parents and kids to become empowered again on social media. Um, 
you know, I think the social dilemma, it was a lot of doom and gloom. It was, you know, it was basically throw your phones away because we're screwed. And unfortunately, that's just not possible. We, we just can't because unless everyone does it, you're going to be the one person who doesn't know what's going on. Um, but if anyone is looking for something, it's like the social dilemma, but rated PG for you and your family, I highly recommend seeing the like movie. And that gives a lot of great tools on how to manage social media, uh, especially that's with awesome. teens. Oh, that's such, that's so great. Okay. We'll put that in the show yeah. notes and everything. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to, so we're deciding like tomorrow morning, we're going to wake up and we're going to not comment as much on our kids' appearance. We're going to try to say mm-hmm. instead something empowering, you know, and more mm-hmm. internal and less superficial. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we need to run this by our partner. So let's say, mm-hmm. you know, most of the people who listen to our podcast, not all, but most of the people are women, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. some married to men, some not. But the ones mm-hmm. I think married to men, it's the hardest uh, to bring up to them, maybe. Um, and to convince your husband that um, this is the way I want to do things. I want us to try not so much to concentrate on appearance. How do we, how do we explain that and, and run it by our mm-hmm. male partners? Yeah, so th- this, is, this is exactly something that I have dealt with many times with um, clients that I work with who, you know, whether, because a lot of times I'll work with the one parent and it's, it's very hard for them to get the other parent on board. And so I love when I'm able to work with both parents together. Um, but that's not realistic for everybody. So yes, this is a, a real concern. If you are listening to this now and you're having a hard time getting your partner on board or you have anxiety about having the conversation with your partner, you are not alone. This is a very common thing when one person is learning about something and they want to make some changes in the house, but that also means you're going to brush up against something, uh, you know, internal with your partner. So the biggest thing when, when you are talking, when you're trying to get someone to change their mind or when you, you want to um, open someone up to kind of a new way of thought is you do not want to shame that person. It's, it's, you do not want to come at it of saying, you're wrong, this is right. You're wrong, I'm right. Because the second you do that, you shut that person off from wanting to learn. You shut that person, their brain, literally, there, there are, science proves that their brain shuts down to learning. So, you know, I'm just going to use this as an example. But you, you know, I think a really good way to go about this is saying, all right, I listened to this podcast and there was, you know, some some new and interesting ideas, and we don't do them now, but I really would love if we could just try something. And I know it might feel a little wacky and weird, and we're not going to get it perfect, but I think there's some really good benefits to it. And so if we can, if you can frame it in, you know what, again, this is like how you're talking to the grandparent or you whatever, you know, it's not, I'm doing this thing because the other way is bad and horrible. Let's try something new and see what happens. You know, let's make it fun. Let's make it interesting. And let's do it not shaming and saying our partner's way is bad. Because even if it is, you're not going to get that person to open up to wanting to learn. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're talking about it in a, in a nice and interesting way. And the other aspect of this is that if you feel safe sharing with your partner is sharing some of your own stories. And I know that that's hard. I know that's hard for some people. But if you can, if you can say, look, I grew up really hating my body. 
I grew up feeling very ashamed of my body hair. I grew up, you know, thinking that my acne or that I was so ugly without makeup and all of these things. And I'm really scared that my, our child is going to get raised, is, is going to believe these things, is going to grow up believing these things too. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, I don't know how to do this perfectly. And I know that I, I want us to be a team here. And I'm just so scared that we're going to mess our kid up. And I'm wondering if you can join me on this new journey of trying this new thing. And really, and that what that does is you're opening yourself up and you're being vulnerable. And it's really hard. It's really hard to be mad at someone or to feel offended when someone's being vulnerable. And if you can say the real reason of why this matters so much to you, if you can say it's because of I went through this or because I see our daughter or our son going through something like this and I don't want it to get any worse and I'm scared. Um, you really, you're, you're pulling that person in to be on your team, not to be your adversary, because you guys want to be a team on this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying it's going to happen in one conversation. I have worked with people who it takes weeks and it takes months and it takes a lot of conversation, but opening up the dialogue, letting them know why this is important to you and viewing them as your teammate, not your enemy is really important in sort of bridging that gap. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And I think so many of us are just working on that with, we've had so many episodes between Adam and, and me that about us working on our own relationship with that and yeah. how we're, we're just so, you know, yeah, we hated our bodies growing up, but it hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so there's so many of us still working that out today that like, I don't want, you know, we don't want our kids in 30 years to still be yeah. dealing with this. Um, yeah. my gosh. Oh, and, and you've got, we have eating disorders that are on the rise in um, end-of-life homes. So we have people who are dying of old age who are still saying, no, I don't want any sugar. No, I don't, you know, I don't wow. want to get fat. Yeah. This is a an epidemic, you know, and I, 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 I use that word cautiously because I know we're in an epidemic, but this body image stuff, really, there, there are studies upon studies upon studies that show the effects that negative body image have on people. I mean, when we don't like our bodies, we report more sick days. Whether you are thin, whether you are plus size, whether you are disabled or not, or or able-bodied, we report more sick days when we don't like our appearance, when we are less confident about ourselves. And so really, we are talking about health. We are talking about stress. We are talking about making it so your children have the life that you, um, you deserved and that you now have the opportunity to work hard to try and give them some semblance of it. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that breaks my heart that there are, that women are still, oh my God. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, I want to promise myself, like when I hit 85, like give me all the sugar. <laughs> or, I mean, or, I'm doing it now anyway, yeah, but, you know, yeah, exactly. but pile it on. I, I want to swim in it. Oh, but we don't know what's going to happen. You know, like we say, okay, well, when I'm 80, I'll release the reins, but you know what? Life is just too short and life is too all over the place for you to say, okay, 80, I'm going to do this. Just totally. enjoy it now. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, no, like, definitely. definitely. Yeah. And when you neutralize it, when you, when you say, okay, it's, I, you know, the chips and the cookies and the ice cream and all that stuff, it's not junk food. It's things that I am allowed to have. You start noticing that you don't crave it as often too. It right. doesn't become this sweet, this, this dessert, this, um, you know, this, this temptation this thing that I can have. Use temptation I get to have once a week when I'm good. Um, cheat meal. All, you're setting is cheat meal. You're setting yourself up for failure. You know, set yourself yeah. up for winning, for for enjoying and going. I'm going to eat a. I want to live long, so I'm going to eat a balanced a balanced meal. But I also want to live happy, and so I'm going to make sure that I'm feeding myself things that make me feel happy too. Awesome. You're, yeah, you're awesome. Thank you. So can you tell everybody where they can find you? We'll put your, um, you know, we'll put everything on Instagram if people check our story yeah. and um, tell yeah. everybody where they can find you. And you do, I know you do coaching and you do speaking. Um, I do, I do. So, um, so I actually, I have a new workshop that I'm doing for schools right now. So if anyone is listening and they're feeling like their children's class really is kind of struggling with missing their friends, feeling alone, feeling that just everyone else is having, all their friends are having the perfect life except for them. I have a new workshop for middle school and high school age kids. It's called, literally called You Are Not Alone. Um, and we're just talking about how to give kids tools to get through this pandemic, to keep going on Zoom, to keep doing the school stuff and the social distancing, especially as we're going into winter. Um, mm -hmm. So I have that new workshop. But if you want to find me, if you want to reach out, I, I, I don't know if this was good marketing or bad marketing, but I did. So my website is danasukow.com. My email is dana at danasukow.com. My Instagram is at danasukow. My Facebook is danasukow. My Twitter is at danasukow. So you will find me, um, you know, Instagram, email is really the best way if you want to, if you have any questions about doing one-on-one -on -one training online, um, or, you know, if you have a parenting group and you guys want to do you know, more in-depth discussions about this, I am, I am totally online. I'm doing a ton of Zoom stuff. So I am here. Awesome. I'm here to help. I'm here to work with you in, in any in any capacity that that fits into your life. That's awesome. And I totally went down the rabbit hole in your Instagram the other day, like just <laughs> going through all your posts and like yeah. being inspired and being like, I'm gonna do that. And oh, I'm starting that. And <laughs> well, don't, it's a great just, just remember, even if you can do a little bit of one thing for for one week or a day, you're, you're still no matter what. The anytime we do a little bit of one thing, we're still doing a little bit better than we were the day before. So I, I just, if you can kind of hold on to that knowledge and go, even if you walk away from this podcast and I talked about a hundred different things you want to try, try one, try one, take it slow. You know, it, it's, it's easier to enact change when we go slowly um, and just to be gentle along the way. Uh, oh, one other thing I wanted to share really quickly. So I have, if you go to my website, danasukow.com slash resources, and this is a, a link that I'll send you for the show notes. Um, but if you go to com slash resources, I have tools, I have age-appropriate reading lists, I have body-positive documentaries, I have links to a bunch of social body-positive social media accounts that you or your kids can follow. So if you're like, okay, I, I love the body-positive stuff, I, I want to get into this eating disorder, whatever, you know, the body image, anything, but I don't know where to start. Go to my website, um, and I do have a lot of books that are listed for kids, for teens, and adults. So if you and your kids want to start learning about it together, I highly recommend going there. 
Perfect. Thank you so much. And we'll, like I said, yeah. we'll link to that too. Um, thank yeah, you. I know you said you're in New York. We're in New Jersey. So as soon as this is over, we're going to do an in-person follow-up. I have a questions to ask you. Um, the second, the second we get vaccinated, can we get vaccinated together? So then we can just talk right after it. A hundred percent. I love it. Perfect. Perfect. Right. Well, thank you so thank much, you Dana. You have a good night. Yeah. You too. Thanks again. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com